Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you for picking this podcast. Oh my God, there are over 2.3 million podcasts out there that you could be listening to, and yet here we are. Either for the first time you're joining us or you're a regular listener. Either way, thank you so much for being here. My name is Tom Singer and I have been hosting this podcast for seven and a half years and over 700 episodes where we talk to leaders in business about how to succeed. And today we're going to talk to you about how do you develop leaders in your company. And my guest is Dr. Rick Goodman. Hey, Rick, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm really excited to be here today. No, I'm excited to have you. And we're going to have some fun talking about this because the idea of developing leaders is something that's often overlooked, but so important for the greatest companies. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. Now, full disclosure, I work with Stanton Chase International. So if your company is looking to add key people to your C-suite, you need to talk to the best executive search firm you can find. And that is possibly and probably Stanton Chase International. So reach out to me and I will get you in touch with the best people to help you execute that search. All right. So we are joined today by Dr. Rick Goodman. Now, Rick was the team physician for the St. Louis Rams back when they went from worst to first. And what he did is he worked on both their bodies and their brains. And he is also a serial entrepreneur. And now he focuses on working with organizations and leaders that want to lead and grow their businesses and take it into the future. So Rick, how did you go from being a team physician to being one of the leading executives, executive consultants who are teaching and training companies how to grow? How'd you make that transition? While I was a team physician, I was also growing one of the biggest practices in St. Louis, Missouri. And doctors from around the country asked me, how do you build this big practice? So I'd show them how I built the practice, how I hired people, and I started a consulting company with that. And it was building teams. And right from there, I got an opportunity with AT&T on the 1-800-IMAGINE line back in the day when they started all the cell service. And then that walked right into McDonnell, Douglas, and Boeing, which was an organization that was merging. And we set up a program called HPWO, High Performance Work Organization, where the people that actually did the job came up with the ideas on how to improve the process, not the people from up top. And that was where things started to really transform for me, understanding that if we develop a whole crew of leaders, then people aren't going to be standing around asking what they have to do next. They'll take the initiative. 
So why do you think many companies don't really think about developing leaders? They sort of put people into their box, their, their, their box, they're this big, they're blue, they leave them on the shelf to do the job they're assigned for, but they're not really spending the time really developing them to grow and lead not only themselves, but the entire business. Why are companies dropping the ball there? Well, that's the big issue. You've got two things happening. You've got the great resignation, and then you also have a lack of middle management. You've got what I call the gray hairs or the upper management individuals that have been around forever, and then new people come in. They're really excited, the young people, and they want an opportunity. You know, the goal and and what I've been hearing in more studies every day is that young people want two things. They want increased growth opportunities, and they also want ongoing training and improvement. And that wasn't happening. So now you've got this big gap in middle management because you've got top management, great leaders, you've got middle management not developed, and then you've got young people who aren't quite given the opportunity even to be developed. So do you think this also ties into just the the size of the generations? I mean, we had the baby boomers. There's a whole bunch of them. We got the millennials. Oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of them. And in the middle, we've got Generation X, which is a generation that is not quite half, a little bigger than half, but a lot less people than the generations on either side. So as the baby boomers retire and the young people are coming up, we also have a deficit of pure numbers of people in, in that middle generation. Does that contribute to this also? I think it's more of self-awareness. I think most leaders, the biggest challenge that I see in most leaders is a lack of self-awareness. They don't realize the talent that they have around them, and all of a sudden the talent leaves. They don't understand that people want that opportunity, and also that some of the people on their team, especially the younger ones, know more than we do in certain areas. So they're not you know, using them for the, what I call the highest and best use. All right. So what is the biggest weakness we see in leaders just in general? Well, that is that self-awareness quotient. And so many, uh, so many executives that I coach have said to me, one thing that they've learned from me is self-awareness. And I talk about three different phases. And the first phase is phase one, where it's all about me. You're thinking just about yourself. Phase two is when you're butting heads with other people. And phase three is when you're up in that helicopter looking down. So let me give you an example. When they had the earthquake in Haiti, All everybody said was, let's throw food there. They need supplies and everything. That was phase one. Phase two, all the supplies were sitting on the tarmac. Everybody was arguing what to do. And in phase three, the president sent in the Marines. They got up in helicopters and they could see where people really needed it. And they found those distribution points because they were looking down on the situation as opposed to being in it. As leaders, the number one thing that you can do is remove yourself from that situation and get up in that helicopter, look down on it and get a better perspective. Because when we're in it, sometimes we can't see past our nose. But when we get up in that helicopter, we see all the different opportunities, just like the Marines did. So I love this idea of getting up in the helicopter and looking at what's going on. But realistically, how do I get there? I'm stuck in phase one. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a business person who wants to grow my career. I want my company to do well, but I really want it because it's all about me. What do, how do I get from it's about me up in the helicopter? Well, first, we got to slow down in order to speed up. And some of us don't understand that strategic planning is really looking down on things. You know, uh, in the in the Japanese culture, each executive is required to take two hours to just think. You know, how, how many executives would you say in the United States take two hours to just think and plan and work on the business as opposed to in the business? Wait a minute. I want to stop for a second. They do this every day? They do this every day. Two hours. You know what would happen in the United States? People would call you lazy. Why are you pondering the board? What are you doing? You're just staring at the wall. 
right? But no plan is a plan to fail. So when you don't have a plan in place and you're just going, you're just doing busy work. Like I like to say, we're using $100 an hour time on a $5 hour activity, but it's all in the planning. When you're planning, when you're planning the organizational chart, a number of years ago, I was sat down with two of my partners and we were building clinics down in Florida and we only had two clinics at the time. And we went out to lunch and my partner started to read this book, The E-Myth to me. And I thought he was wasting my time. And the E-Myth is the entrepreneurial myth. And it's about working on your business as opposed to in your business. Well, we were talking, having a discussion. I thought he was just completely wasting my time. I was that New Yorker that wanted things done yesterday and my brain was going fast. And we went back to his condo and we took out a flip chart and we started to kind of just write down what we discussed. And we had actually built a whole organizational and communication chart just from our discussion there at lunch, which totally blew me away and changed my paradigm of how I see things going to the fact that that was a meaningful lunch. We spent time planning our lives as opposed to just going through it. And like I say, you know, most people put more time into planning their Memorial Day party than they do into their whole lives or their business. You have to make sure you get enough food, enough clothes, make sure all the people are invited, enough booze, but yet we don't plan enough on our businesses. All right, so I'm fascinated by this Japanese spending a couple of hours a day thinking and planning. So how can I implement this into my life? I mean, I can block off the two hours, but what do I do? How, what am I thinking about? How do I make these plans? Well, you know, it's interesting because right next to my uh, calendar here on my desk, I created a schedule because just like when we're in school and stuff like that, and we know we got first period and second period and third period yet, when we're adults, we don't plan out our schedules well and people have meetings and we're going from one thing to another. And at the end of the day, we say, how do we get everything done? So I took this schedule and planned it out. All right, and for, the, the for the record, put, we're, we're an audio podcast and he's holding his schedule up, but it looks I'm like sc- it looks like that high school planner where it shows everything throughout the day and he's got it color coded. And it's a, it says commitment. What gets scheduled gets done. So even on there, I have, you know, 6 a.m. I'm going to meditate, goal review, post social media, then, you know, 8 a.m. read or get some video education. So I'm not doing it throughout the day. And then 9 a.m. review the plan for the week. And then it's then it's on, whether it's marketing calls or coaching or leaving time open for Mr. Murphy, who may show up with that law and throw things out of kilt. And also (laughs) making sure that I'm having lunch two times a week with with a new prospect, something that I wasn't doing because you get so busy. And then you forget to, again, form those relationships and connections that will build relationships for a lifetime. Well, now now you're speaking to the choir because that's my belief, right? It's all about community and collaboration and relationships. Now, the question is, you have this international practice as a speaker and a trainer and a coach. You're having lunch twice a week. So you're also focusing on your South Florida market because obviously you're having lunch. People have to be in South Florida. So how do you split that difference between your local market and the international market that you serve? Why, why, why are you having lunch locally? Well, I'm having lunch locally because I work right out of my place and I, I sold my house to Tom you've been to and had some barbecue at. And yeah, but for the record, I need to throw in, if you ever are invited to Dr. Rick Goodman's house for barbecue it's just the two of you. He barbecues meat for eight people because he's not sure what you like. If you want some sausage or you want some steak or you want some burgers, there was enough food there to feed like nine people. And it was awesome. 
Yeah, we don't we don't like to run out of food. But but I moved downtown Fort Lauderdale, and in my building, um, there's six CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. There's digital marketers, and there's such talent because everybody moved from New York and LA into my building. So I started an event called Wine Down Wednesday, where it was a networking event, bringing people together, and now people are collaborating, doing business with people in the building that they never knew. So it's become like a giant think tank. So I need to take time out of my schedule because I never did before to have those lunches and those meaningful connections. And I figured two times a week is, is good enough. I don't want to get a little crazy with it because I still like to focus on, on the work, but twice a month and dealing international, those times are different. So I'm dealing with them either late at night or early in the morning. So it's interesting. You talk about, Hey, we're just going to have wine Wednesdays here in the building and we're going to like introduce all these people to each other. And now some of those people are doing business together and things like that. You know, it just takes one person in a community, whether it's a building, a neighborhood, you know, a social club or whatever to say, Hey, let's get together. And once you've done it enough times, when you bring really cool people together, they're going to find their connections. They're going to find their ability to, to build community and collaborate, but it takes someone to do it. Why do most people not do that in whatever their community is? Why do most people just get in the elevator, nod their head, go to their apartment when now you've got all these executives who are working together? I think it goes right to leadership. There's leaders and followers. And some people are going to take that initiative and see opportunities because they're up in that helicopter and other people just don't. And from, from my perspective, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I was like living in a hotel with all these cool people, but nobody knew each other mm-hmm. and nobody could talk. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And people said, why are you doing this? And I said, well, you know, I think people need to connect. And they said, what do you get out of it? Well, you know what I get out of it? Everybody knows me in the building. So I become now a resource or a conduit. And if I can help people, I let them know. And if not, I let them know that too. And I'll call five of my friends that they can connect with that can help them in the areas that they need help. You know, and that's really what it's all about. It's about, you know, sharing is caring. And the more we put out there, the more we serve, the more it comes back to us tenfold return. But if you give to get, you're even. So let's take this back now to companies and developing leaders. What can the actual leadership of a company do to start really helping the people who work for them develop to be better, whether they stay with the company or move somewhere else, what can companies start doing today to develop the leaders that are currently on their staff? It's all about culture, you know, and culture starts from the top. You know, the focus of transformational leadership is that the leader gives the vision and goals for the company, shares with everybody, and then gives the team members the tools to accomplish the vision. And that's what it's about. And the goal in the transformational leadership is once that happens, then the management team starts to set those goals. And then the middle management team should be looking at these managers and saying, hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. And that's exactly what we want to have happen. But it all starts from the top. Um, And it starts from people talking about the mission. What is the mission and vision statement? Having people understanding it and then communicating with them regularly on what do they need in order to do their job. So we use something called the morning huddle. And we do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And it's not a meeting. It's about 15 minutes. And basically what the leader does is the leader says, you know, okay, here's what I'm working on this week. This is what I'm going to be doing. What are you going to be doing? What do you need help with? Great. You need anything? Great. Let's break. Then Wednesday, okay, here's what I got done. You know, here's what I'm working on. This is from the leader's perspective. And then to team members, what'd you get done? What do you need help with? And then on Friday, same thing. Here's what we got done. Here's what we got looking forward to next week. Now, 
in Argentina, my teams that I coached there, I had a guy named Juan call me. He said, Rick, the, you know, the huddles are too long. He's they're going for an hour. I said, it's not a, me- a meeting, Juan. It's a huddle. You know, just like in football where Tom Brady goes in the huddle and says, all right, you go here, you cover this, you do this, break. Well, I said, now call it a coffee huddle. So when the coffee's done, the meeting's done. But what it does is it keeps people in touch because sometimes – Middle managers, lower managers, you know, new hires think that the leader is telling everybody what to do and they're not doing anything, especially if they're out at a conference. And I always say that to people when I'm speaking at a conference, you know what everybody's thinking about right now? They think that you're here just having fun, partying. They don't realize that you're here. You're learning to improve your skills so you can go back and be a better leader. And that's why it's so important for the leaders to communicate down and let people know this is what I'm working on. And then what do you need in order to do your job better? And guess who looks the best? The leader. All right. So let's talk about culture because we're going through so many changes right now in companies with this switch. Both we got the great resignation. A lot of companies have lost, you know, 30, 40, 50 or more percent of the employees they had two years ago. So they got all new people on board. Some of these people don't even live in the city where they everybody used to come to the office every day. And now in order to find people they're they're going beyond the geographies and letting people work remote. But all of these things impact culture. What's happening in the world of business culture right now? Well, I think there's such a shift in business culture because people didn't realize how important it was and that people are more attracted to the culture of an organization than to the amount of money that they're making. And we saw that with the great resignation because people decided, hey, you know what? It's not worth it for me to work 50, 60 hours and then have no life. So what happens now with the cultural change is companies got to offer a variety of different plans, but more important, they have to offer ongoing training and the opportunity for upward growth, because that's what people are asking for, that flexibility. They also want connection. So there's no doubt about it that people are excited to come back to meetings. They're excited to get together strategic planning. Um, last week, I did a program for a company called Visient Clinical Workforce, 450 nurses, that it was their first conference back together. So people are really missing that personal connection that you can't get over the internet. I, I like to say it's kind of like watching a concert in person or watching a concert on TV. You just don't get that same effect or that connection. So what companies that are really moving forward on their culture are doing right now is they're showing people the types of training, the types of upward mobility. Those are the things people care about more so. And there's so many open jobs now that the new people are graduating college that didn't have jobs years ago are getting two, three, four offers. And the average salary they're getting is over $55,000 a year. So the opportunities are out there. Companies need to make their cultures attractive to attract these top talents. So as we look at this world of, you know, I don't don't think this remote work is going away anytime soon, but I have a friend whose son works for a company in the, the Silicon Valley. He's about 35 years old, been with the company a long time. He was up for a promotion. It was about a year away till it was going to happen. But when the pandemic hit and everybody went remote, the company said people can stay remote. So he decided to lease his house in the Silicon Valley, move up to his house that he owned in Tahoe because he wanted to raise his kids up in the mountains, moved up there. And just recently he was passed over for the promotion that he thought was going to be his. And when he asked his boss about it, the boss said, well, you know, you live in Tahoe. And the other person's in every day, participates and does this stuff. And he said, you know, you're still great. We still love you. But you made the decision to be remote. That changes everything. And he was mad. His dad had called me, got me on the phone with him. And it was like, my take was that's 
part of the world we live in. We're trying to figure these things out. And he said, but they said we could live remote. My answer was people are still people. We still build relationships through shared experiences. How do you think this is going to map out for companies where some people are remote, some people are in the office? How is this culture going to be affected? And what can companies do to develop a win-win situation for everybody? I think companies have to adjust their, their fee, you know, what they're paying people based on whether they're in the office or not, because it comes down to a matter of overhead. And that's how the company's looking at it. They're not looking at the, 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 the output of what that individual's doing. They're looking at the bottom line. And if someone's not in the office, which they're not taking up space, then why should they pay them extra money? They're actually saving money by not having that person in there. No, they're not, they may not put that out there, which isn't the most honest thing to do, you know, but again, on the flip side, I think it's the onus of individuals to ask and say, Hey, is this going to affect my salary, my promotion, my opportunities by working remotely? And, you know, I think that's a fair question to ask now because we're starting to see it more and more and companies are going to have to respond to less people in the office. Why do they need a building? when people could do that. So now they get rid of that building. Now that's more money in their pockets. And then why should they be supplanting other people? So I think it's something that's going to go on for quite some time. And it's really going to be determined by who the people are that these companies are hiring. If you are highly qualified, highly talented, you're going to get top dollar no matter where you're working. So do you think, because both you and I make part of our money by speaking at companies, Do you think companies should be doing more in-person meetings now that you have more remote people bringing people together, maybe quarterly and stuff like that, bringing in that outside speaker uh, for both education and motivation? Do you think companies should be doing more of that in 2022 and beyond? I think companies should be absolutely doing more of that. And the fact that they haven't done it for two years, really. And people are burnt out on watching a webinar or a screen or something like that. They want that connection. And again, it's the difference between watching a live sporting event in, in person, in the stadium, or watching it on TV. It doesn't have the same effect or connection. So I think that, you know, what I'm seeing is meetings are expanding. People are wanting to get together more often. I, I haven't seen people wanting to do things virtually uh, for the last couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot less desire for virtual. So here's a question. So if companies do a good job at developing their people, giving them more skills, giving them education, exposing them to more experiences that help build the relationships, drive the culture, what does that really do for the company? Why is it worth it? Well, one, you're going to have more satisfied customers. You know, the people are working, they're happy. They're going to deliver better service. They're also going to attract their friends because people do business with people who they like or like them. You'll buy a product from a friend of yours, even if it costs a couple of dollars more. And your best employees hang out with people that are just like them. So I go right to my best employees and say, who do you know who's like you? And they'll bring their friends unless they don't want their friends there because they want to keep the fun to themselves. <laughs> you know, but the bottom line is the customer is the person who wins the most when these companies put the time, effort into developing their own talent. All right. So, Rick, what have we not touched on when it comes to developing leaders that all companies need to know? What's your what's your final word of companies need to do this X, Y, Z to develop leaders? I think they need to understand that every single person in their company can be a leader. And every person in their company should be a leader. Otherwise, you're going to have a a whole bunch of people telling people what to do and other people standing around waiting to be told. 
And when people have an understanding that they're trusted and that they have the ability and they've been trained, so they have that skill, the company will grow. Awesome. So Rick, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I kind of like Dr. Rick Goodman, how do they find out more information from you and what types of things do you do for companies? I work with companies that want to lead, engage, and grow their business. We do that through our keynote speaking, training, and workshops, and executive coaching. And they can always check out our website at rickgoodman.com. Or if you've listened to this podcast, we offer a free consultation, a free 30-minute consultation. All you have to do is send me an email to rick at rickgoodman.com. Put in the subject line, Making Waves Podcast, and we will set up an appointment with you to discuss what your goals and objectives are and see if we can help you with that. Awesome. Awesome. And I also want to say Rick was my hero a year ago. Uh, I went to the National Speakers Association's conference in Las Vegas. And as I was getting in the car, my wife was driving to me to the airport. I took my luggage twisted my back, put the luggage into the back of her SUV, and I did something I'd never done before, and that was I threw out my back to the level that I had to go lay on the floor for a half hour. I got to the airport barely with enough time. I hobbled to the airport, hobbled to the hotel, and I was telling somebody, God, I I can barely move. I was popping, you know, Advil and stuff like that, and somebody said, you know who's here? Rick is here, and Rick's a chiropractor, and I'm like, Rick, Rick took me, And three times over three days, Rick worked on my back and made it so that I could survive that conference. And I look back at that, that if it was, Rick was my angel from heaven because he was skilled at making sure that uh, I could walk. So thank you, Rick. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. So everybody will keep your back in shape this conference. Yeah, no, I, in fact, I'm, I, I will tell you, we, as human beings, part of developing yourself as a leader, you learn from your mistakes I have never lifted a heavy object since last July without being conscious of how I'm actually lifting that heavy object. So I've been doing all right uh, since since then because I'm I'm paying attention to strengthening my back, but also not lifting and spinning at the same time because apparently that's a bad idea. <laughs> Very bad idea. Yeah, Very well, bad that's, idea. that's what you said. <laughs> whatever. Uh, nobody told me I couldn't lift and spin a 55-pound suitcase, but whatever. Uh, but anyway, you know, every now and then someone comes into your life and they are that angel that is sent to you to help you out. And, and back last July, that was certainly Dr. Rick. So again, check out Dr. Rick Goodman. What's your website? RickGoodman.com. Perfect. Just sounds just like spelled, just like it sounds. Uh, check him out. He's a great guy. And please do me a favor. Come back and listen to our podcast all the time. Check it out. We come out twice a week. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus the last couple of weeks because I'm doing some retooling in my own career and business. However, we are going to jump right back in to getting back to this twice a week with more episodes with people who are teaching you how to lead just like Rick does. And as we go out the door, I want to thank my other sponsor, which is Podfly Productions. I never could produce this podcast if it wasn't for the partnership that I have with Podfly Productions. What they do is they help you pick the right equipment. They give you the right training and the guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing as a podcast host. If you want to start a podcast, and I know many of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things. Check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And we'll see you back here on Making Waves at Sea Level in just a couple of days. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. 
Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.